There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Woke Man series, the case study that's painting the picture of the man's conscious journey back to himself, the true self. It's been a hell of a journey starting this series because we look at, uh, you know, going back to the early stages of where we are and why am I, why, people might be asking, why am I even doing this? Um Well, the truth is because people need it, men need it, and what I've found is a lot of women are loving it as well. This series has opened the door for women to look at, wow, there are actually men out there uh, that are looking to better themselves, and and the whole system that I'm pulling this towards is that there is a need for men to break the old paradigm of what it means to be a man. and. Culturally, we've needed to be that over the many years before us, but today it's okay to change, and today we live in a different world, and and if you can get one thing out of that, it's that you can be, it's safe to be yourself. And as you'll see through each episode, you'll see that each guest does become a little bit more themselves and, and, and does become more vulnerable and real, and for those of you listening to this right now, it's okay to be real, it's okay to be emotional, it's okay to be raw, it's okay to say, hey, I don't like that. And whatever it is that you do like, say that, tell them, speak openly. But today I'm with the Red Ferrari, uh, a brother who another brother introduced me to, and that's Mike. Brother, thanks for joining me. Luca, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. So um, can you say the exact same thing in uh, Mandarin for me? Um, hey, Luca, uh, that's sick man <laughs> you live in um first question where did you grow up and where do you live now and then i'll go into that yeah for sure um it's the first interview you've had it starts in chinese um yeah so i grew up in um in boston in the new uh northeast in um the u.s and um spent around 20 years in the northeast boston and rhode island and uh, now I live in Shanghai, China. Uh, bounced around in China as well. Lived in four different cities. 
Beijing, Hangzhou, Nanjing, and now Shanghai. I've been here in Shanghai now for around five to six years. That's wicked, man. And and I love um, how you saying you you went in and just extensively studied or intensively studied Mandarin because you wanted to speak the language and you've been there five, six years, right? So like, you know, was that, how was that process of just like going into a new country and wanting to learn one of the difficult, most difficult languages out there? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good, and this is, this is the question I always get asked out here, which I think sort of paints a good picture of who the hell I am. Um, So I'll give you sort of the quick elevator uh, intro and broad strokes, but, you know, growing up, I was always, you know, big into sports um, you know, it was a bit of a runt getting in trouble in school all the time, hated school, hated academics. But, um, I think what helped was sports where it really got me into university. I was running track and, um, walked onto a big university there, realized sports was not the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life and, um, ended up quitting, getting into academics, had to do a language course to fulfill my, um, course degree, which was accounting. Uh, I was going to do Spanish because I did it in uh, high school, just a quick, easy credit. They said, no, you have to do uh, 100, 100 level of a new language. So I was like, well, fuck it. I mean, Chinese is the talk of the town. So I picked Chinese. Uh, everyone thought I, was, I had four heads. Uh, just loved it, mate. And then, um, yeah, I had, my school had a good program. I'd never traveled really outside of Boston, you know, like wow. small town kid. Um, and they offered me you know, free scholarships to come out here. Came out here, um, really for the first time in my life, realizes like, wow, language is like something that can connect you to people outside the classroom. It's not just a, it's not just a book, right? So then came out here, did a bunch of intensive Mandarin programs. I did four in total, um, all in Scholies, which was sick. And um, man, just being able to connect to people in a different culture and a different language just mm. felt alive. So man, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Love that, man. And, and like, how long was that process? One year, like from studying intensively? Was it two years, three years? Yeah, I think I studied it intensely overall. I think three, three and a half years. Um, and it would go in spurts or sort of sprints. So I'd, um, otherwise, I'd just burn out. So it'd be like a six-month program. You sign a language pledge and you're 90% of the day using Mandarin in any way you can possibly get your point across. So it'd be like six months two months of like, you know, decompressing, partying out here for lack of a better word. And then another, you know, four months and then just, you know, going back to the States and then coming back out here. So yeah, it was in a bit of sprints, uh, but I think was the best way to go about it. Good on you, man. Do you have a, a, a Westerner partner or, or a Chinese partner or no partner? Uh, good question, actually. Um, so my partner, um, her name's Ying. Uh, she's an absolute legend. She's Kiwi. But uh, she was born in um, Fujian, which is the southern part of China, um, and then moved at a really young age to New Zealand. So she's like full on Kiwi. She's got a wicked, like thick Aucklander posh accent, um, but she speaks Mandarin as well. So it's pretty fun if we're, if we're trying to talk shit about people <laughs> in front of uh, non-Chinese speakers, we can switch over to that. <laughs> awesome is that is that, that would have been like an instant connection when you started when you probably met each other right like you, yeah yeah well big... yeah it's interesting yeah it's interesting like you know obviously um she's i i, I don't think like for me like what i would date an american and like she's i think we're like a perfect fit man like she's sort of we both have that one foot in one foot out in china and that culture as well as 
our respective home Western countries. So me for America, I'll always be American. Uh, she'll always be a Kiwi, but um, we'll never, I think, I think that that China culture is sort of in our DNA now as well. Yeah. Um, from the, from the surface, probably not me as much because I'm a freaking ginger, right? <laughs> With an American passport. <laughs> you will never be Chinese, my friend. Never truly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Upward battle. Um, how old am I? Sorry, I cut out there for a sec. How old are you here? Yeah. Uh, 29. 29. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And what are you, and so what are you doing for a living? Uh, so I work for a big uh, Fortune 5 company in the FMCG side of things. So, um, yeah, working for them. Uh, I work in marketing innovation. So I did uh, two years here in China, in Shanghai, of working as like a market research consultant. So helping brands, you know, understand what to do in China, um, sort of being that Westerner that helps them bridge that connection. Mm -hmm. And then join this big company, this behemoth of a company working in innovation so I'm bringing new products to market and helping them, you know, better connect with consumers in a different way. So it's pretty cool. Cool, brother. What's one thing you're really good at? I think, um, I think it's, man, when I listened to these uh, other podcasts, I was like, oh, these are good questions. Um, I think it's connecting with people. I think um, I love, uh, this is what Kurt said too, but I, I love, you know, digging deep and really getting to know people, breaking that surface, not that chit chat shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that extends work and non-work, you know, within work, I love having those deep conversations with people. And it's like, you know, why do you drink this? Why do you do this? Why is this different from your older generations? And then, you know, talking to people and so it's just like, if it's with the rugby boys or, you know, it's like, you know, where are you from, man? Like, what do you, what's your background? What's your story? So I, I love that. Mm. And I love just digging deep and yeah, man, for me, I think it's connecting with people. That's beautiful. It's, I mean, it's also supports you in your role too, you know, and, you know, what you're doing in marketing and stuff is like, you got to literally connect with people and find a way. Thank you. Empathy. Yeah, man. I love that. It's a good quality, man. What's one of your biggest fears right now? I think it's um, uncertainty. So right now I've been out here for, China for probably yeah like the six five to six years I'd say and um, starting to hit that wall of you know getting close to 30 years old having a serious partner um, we're looking at a return to the west and for me it's like you know zero to 12 was like me becoming sort of going into like that's like my childhood teenage years to, to 20 was like developing as a man and then the 20s to now 30 that third stage in life was like me sort of finding myself in my identity. And now with that imminent return back to the West, it's sort of like a, an anxious feeling of like the new frontier of like, fuck, am I going to fit back in? Like, you know, being in this expat life, it's, and especially with a partner, you know, and, and not just myself, but us as a team, um, mm. that my fear is, it's not, I don't know if it's more of a fear, but just of a, the unknown mm. and this 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 identity that I've created here, mm -hmm. and exploring that next step, which is that thirties, um, and however long that is going to, however long that's going to be, you know. Oh man, it's a, it's one I think a lot of people listening can resonate with that that that's the next stage, man, the next chapter. What's it going to bring? And and almost like breaking an identity, so to speak. But I feel yeah. you, I feel you. You seem like you got the nature to step into any challenge, though. The last name anyway. 
drive straight through the heart of it. It's beautiful. Just fucking send it. <laughs> What's one of your favorite quotes? Uh, I think um, I think I got a couple, man. I think um, I think the first one is uh, this is one I always use with people that um, sort of mentors or people that I really care about, and you know, I always say it's um, what is it? I don't I don't remember a lot of things you've said, but I remember how you made me feel. Mm. And I think I've said that to prior bosses and, and with good friends that I'd had to say goodbye to. And it's, you know, we talk a lot, but, you know, there's so much words, but it's like, you know, how we feel and how we have that connection for, I think that's what really resonates. So I think that's one connection that I love, uh, one quote that I love to sort of like encompass a good connection I had. And then the second one I think is pretty cool is, uh, is my senior, my senior portrait quote uh, back because I was big in track and field and jumps mm-hmm. was a uh, quote by Michael Jordan was like, people ask me if I can fly. And I say, yeah, for a little bit. So I don't know. I just, I love that quote. So it's, I, you can take it for how you want it, but. Uh, okay, how do you take that? Uh, fuck. <laughs> Digging in deep already. Um, I think it's, I think for me, man, like, when I was in sport and I was just taking off for jumps and the long jump, man, he just felt fucking free, you know? And then asked me if I can fly, ask, say for a little, yeah, just like, you know, can you do different things or can you get outside of what, what you're capable of? And you're like, yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah. I like, can't go a hundred percent all the time, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like sense of freedom and confidence in, in what you got. I love that dude. It's- yeah. What about a conscious man, brother? What's a, like, you know, that this is the topic that, it's an interesting one. Everyone's got a different perspective. What, what is a conscious man to you? What is a conscious man? I think a conscious man is, I think it's got a per, that person, that man has several characteristics. I think it's the person that, I think it's just consciousness. I think it's just the recognition for being able to, to not, to realize things are happening and it's not something that's there out of their control. It's sort of like envision it as like the conscious man is someone that can be in the water and be in like that, in the tide and the stream and can also pull himself out and, you know, see what's happening. So being able to detach, being able to love, being able to understand thoughts are not just thoughts, not himself, but it can be something else that he can see mm. being able to be a bit more of masculine being able to to embody himself as a man and that testosterone and that primalness but then also being able to connect more on the feminine side mm-hmm. being able to have empathy um sort of just the the 360 you know not being too masculine not being too feminine not being controlled by this wiring that we have of you know being a slave to our thoughts and the mask of masculinity, res- recognizing that and being able to take it off or recognize what mask you're wearing. Oof, that's a big one. It takes a big man to yeah. think, man. Be, like, you know, aware, being, I mean, if I summarize all that, it's like to be ultimately aware and in control of yourself, you know. Yeah. And that take, that's a take- it, it, it's, it's so hard to nowadays, but, you know, I think that that traditional, you know, testosterone, a man's man is like, that's gone, man. That's, 
that's not the way to be. And I think that's the older generations. And I think we're breaking that. It's like, man, if you're going to be that, you're going to be living. If you choose to walk that path as a traditional man, I mean, you're, you're going to be walking an uphill battle in life of, mm. you know, being a slave to your emotions, being a slave to yourself and, mm. and that, that pattern, you know, the patterns, man, that run us. It's interesting, like one of the things that, and I'm sure we'll get in to see what you're like, how you will definitely get in to see how you were prior to the way you are now, or just the person you are today, so to speak. But it's like, it's interesting because I feel like there's this unconscious notion that people think they have to change everything in their life if they, you know, change the way they are as a human, you know, more conscious or whatever, you know, more aware of themselves and control themselves. Do you think like that? Do you think like that, you know, because you become a different person on your own personal journey, so, you know, we'll see what, what your journey looked like, but considering who you were and who you are today, have you changed much as your level of awareness has changed? I think yes and no. Um, I think for my journey, and yeah, more than happy to get into it later here, but I think I've always been the type of person that's, you know, very not OCD, but just wanting to improve, wanting to do better. And for lack of good or wrong reasons, you know, whether that's, you know, um, lack of self-confidence or, or looking for validation. But I think, um, yeah, from there's definitely been changes. And to answer your question, I think I've had to practice more self-compassion of, of why I want to be better. Mm-hmm. and why I want to improve. Um, and it's not just, you know, me wanting to be the absolute best in sport, whether it's, you know, track and field or um, being the best at work or being the best friend. It's like exercising a bit more self-compassion, you know, getting a little bit better, you know, not comparing myself to others yeah, and using the right benchmark. I think Jordan Peterson had it on Joe Rogan of talking about, you know, comparing yourself to others is a perpetual misery that you'll never be able to reach or fulfill. Whereas doing that against yourself. Um, and I think that's what men is, you know, we see, you know, the, you know, the fucking running back, that's like the Heisman trophy winner, or like, you know, the all blacks, like the absolute pinnacle of male. It's like, nah, you should probably be doing a bit more of looking inward and seeing how you can, you know, do better. And then I think lastly, probably the last bit is definitely maintaining yourself. Mm. you know not straying too far away from your core and your ethos but you know making ticks improving here and there whether that's you know your your physical being your your romantic being 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 a better partner Mm. being a better friend being a better um you know working on that psyche and that mental aspect as well that's powerful man thanks for sharing that what's one thing that's challenging you right now i think my anxiety um i've struggled with anxiety a lot of my life um i think something that i haven't told a lot of people but definitely my closest friends is uh minor depression Mm -hmm. um it's run in my family and i think it's biological in a sense so breaking that pattern um and i think i've really stepped in the right direction which i'm really proud of myself on i definitely will give myself a pat on my back as opposed to being like i don't have the problem anymore i'm not anxious you know this is something i need to to work and live with and in, in those thought patterns, you know, doing a lot of headspace and, and meditation and getting into breath work. It's like, okay, let, let's not slay the dragon, but let's work, you know, how to, to tackle and, 
Uh, so I think anxiousness is, um, yeah. is one thing that I'm working on. Is there like certain things that come up for you or that trigger it? Yeah, I think, um, I think in my life I've had a bit of, um, traumas in the past. Um, so I think not being able to, um, I think, you know, being a perfectionist, being a people pleaser, um, you know, getting these, these thoughts of, you know, validation and am I, am I worthy? Does this person give me love? Does this person give me approval? Um, you know, getting panic attacks when I'm wondering, you know, getting stuck in my head is okay. Am I, am I getting approval from this person? Does this person think highly of me or not? Mm. And you know, um, getting that love and getting that approval. So working on recognizing that thought as a thought, as opposed to me, myself, I am not worthy. I am not loved. Um, I'm not enough. Mm. So recognizing that and, and getting, and getting better and doing better. And I think that anxiety is, um, and those traumas are the root causes yeah. and those symptoms you can see as far as a panic attack, right? It's like, I'm not a panicky person. I'm not a fucked up person. It's, it's, it's those are symptoms or, you know, using, using drinking, right. That's a symptom mm -hmm. for the underlying traumas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel you, man. I definitely can relate with that. People pleasing like that, that whole people pleasing nature. Like, do they like me? Am I good enough? Validation has been one of the biggest things that I've uh, been overcoming in my life. But it's like for people listening, they can definitely relate, man. I know that. And also like, it's just like a, it's like you just take the top off it every time and you just get a little bit chip away at it, chip away at it. But that action that you say, it's like, well, I see it now. And I, and I, and I choose not to act on it the way I used to, but the feelings there, it's all still there. But as we become aware of it, it's like shifting something and trust it as shifting something because our conscious awareness is, is working its magic, you know, by. Especially as men, bro, you know, like making this more of a conversation. It's like, you know, especially as men, like, women are so good at, at being so in tune, you know, with themselves and yeah. being able to separate. Like sometimes I wish like I could just like take that bit and just fucking install that software into the back of my hardware and my brain, you know, but like as men, like we just push it down, you know, and like we want to be the best, you know, I think that's like in our nature, you know, as like, you know, you look at gorillas or like, you know, animals like in their tribes, like beating the chest, it's like you want to be the best and you want to you want to have that as men is is that validation like oh like that dude's a fucking primal athlete like alpha male mm. you want to be that or you want to be like whether it's not sport you know it's like you want to be that fucking best programmer the best like startup guy the next steve jobs it's like just get we just as men we just give ourselves so much fucking pressure unnecessary pressure and it's like let's just be the best self mm -hmm. let's not just be the best dude in the tribe you know mm -hmm. yeah man i feel you brother amen to that what's unconditional love mean to you mike i was listening to the other podcast and i was like fuck this is the tough one i don't know how to answer this i think unconditional love is i think it can be i'd start off by probably defining it in the scope it's in the structure of it i think it's it can be romantic it can be non-romantic I think it can be with a human or an animal. I think it can be towards something else, whether that's your hobby or that's your bliss or your passion, you know, whether it's like 
I don't know, fucking rugby or it's woodworking or, you know, playing video games or it can be anything. It can be your best mate and it can be with your best, um, like your partner. And I think unconditional love, probably what is it? I think it's stripping away all of those layers and just truly connecting, Oof. um, having that, that real raw connection. You know, when you have your, you're talking to someone, you're looking at someone in their eyes and you just feel it, mate. It's, it's just a feeling of, of trueness. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'm trying to articulate, but it just, it's just a feeling of, of realness and trueness and love. Yeah, man. It's just like fully seen, fully stripped back and here I am type thing, you know, and here they are. And, you know, the, the, one of the things that I've remember how I felt it in my life was um it was you know when i used to be like i used to be pretty you know chirpy and smart like a bit of a a smart ass so to speak in school and Watch that, yeah oh yeah yeah Me too, man. yeah and i'd always like you know be the jokester the prankster and i would pick on someone or, or make make a joke out of someone or something in not in like a real bullying way but you know it would probably be perceived as that but just being a smart ass and uh, and then I would get in trouble. And when I would get in trouble at school or in public, it would like the humility would just be like, oh, like all on me, and I'd be so embarrassed. And then it was like I used to get these glimpses. I used to get these glimpses of all the people that I made that had that gave that same feeling to, of that humility. And then it would just feel like I'm, and I would in my head I'd be like I'm so sorry. And that's like something that I used to think that was almost like compassion, deep compassion, and almost like tie the feeling together with unconditional love. But that's sort of like how I feel it. I don't know if there's ways that, you know, same with the dog, you know, like you got a favorite dog, like that's another way people can feel it. But I remember that. It's just like ultimate, like, who are you? You're not better than them. They're not better than you. It's just there you are, two of you, you know, and it brings you back down to level playing field. Yeah, man. I think I think just drawing on that, you're like drawing a parallel to your story there. Of you know, I was I was the biggest wise ass in classes. Like, and I was always get kicked out of like, kicked out of classes, getting detentions, shit student, and just I think like I got class clown in high school, and like you know, I was always cracking jokes. You know, like getting kicked out, and it's sort of I felt that feeling. You know, in three stages of like I'd I'd be that smart ass. I'd crack the joke. I'd want that attention. And I got that attention and I got that little dose, you know, that straight to the fucking intravenous, to the veins. And then after I'd come down similar to you and I'd be like, fuck, why did I do that? I'm not a dick, but you know, and, and, mm. and then you'd go and try to connect with that person and, and you get that connection and, and you'd be like, you talk to him and be like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Yeah. But and you try to connect and you try to like peel back the layers that you just showed everyone. It's like, no, this is really me. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. Well, I'm interested about this question. This is the last question for this section. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? I think I don't believe in a God. Um, I'd consider myself agnostic more so than atheist, especially going to a Catholic school and Coming from a Catholic family, I hated it. I was always the guy that was like, don't tell me what the fuck to do. Um, Now, whatever works for you, 
hundred percent man. If it's God, if it's a tree, you know, like if it's an animal, anything. Um, I do believe in, in a higher energy, I guess a higher power to an extent. Um, I do believe in the more I start digging deep into, into this, this well-being space is I do believe in sort of energy, karma, um, being here in the East, man, like chi, balance, you know, how we are in nature and how we are with that mm-hmm. and how we are a piece of the puzzle. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I don't believe in, in gods. I do believe in a higher energy or power. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think with me connecting, I think how that applies to me now, I think uh, I think it helps me connect and I think it helps me more get grounded in myself mm. and my own, uh, yeah, my own self, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, beautiful, man. Beautiful. I always love asking this question to people because it's like, um, it's always interesting to hear a man talk about this because it's almost like one of the things that we don't really talk about that much, that like that spiritual aspect of life. So it's really interesting, man. And um, once, I mean, chi, like have you, like have you, do you do chi gong, tai chi? Like what do you, have you done that there? I haven't gotten into it myself. Um I've done it. I've touched upon it or like come in contact with the concept in, uh, in more of yoga out here, like doing a little bit of yoga here and there. And then the Chinese instructors talking about chi, but I don't, I don't fully understand the concept. Like I haven't really dug deep into it, but I get it. You know, it's, I think it's really all about balance. Right. And then it also goes back to Chinese medicine, Mm -hmm. um, of the balancing of heat, you know, the balancing of, um, you know, the shui ways, which is like the, the pressure points in the body and the connection to like the body and, and the heat and the environment. So I, I, I want to dig more into that. I think leaving China, if I don't get into more of the Chinese medicine side of things and that holistic bit, um, shame on me. But I, I do, I really actually, I'm really getting into Buddhism. And um, I think that's a really, really cool um side of spirituality that I probably connect with more than anything. Um, I don't think Western Western religion is more for me. I think more of like the, the Buddhism, which is more of, it's like a way of believe in the God you want, yeah. you know, it's less, it's less structured. It's less rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no 10 commandments. It's just, you know, you meditate, you breathe, you connect to whatever you see in those deep meditations. And yeah, I'm really digging Buddhism. We've done heaps of like hiking and, we had a group of us that just went, came back from Shangri-La in Yunnan, which is bordering the uh, Tibetan autonomous region. Mm-hmm. Just seeing, you know, like Buddhist monasteries and just being there and being around that culture and like talking to a monk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, Hey man, like I'm coming in all like big chests. Like I meditate. I do, you know, 20, 30 minutes every day. And I'm like, Hey man, how are, uh, how's your meditation practice? He's like, yeah, 14 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck bro. You're putting in work. <laughs> But um, just like understanding like, but then, you know, putting myself in his shoes and being like, man, you must be so connected to your God mm. and your, you know, your, your higher power and your energy. Mm. So I think, you know, whatever works for you, mm. Amen. I think that's really it, bro. Love that, brother. Let's get into your personal story. The first question here is, what did you paint the picture for us? What did your life look like as unwoke, you know, that unaware band and how does that compare to who you are today the mic today 
Yeah, so I think um, I think probably it'd be a good intro, me being really here on open. I think probably three things. I'll probably talk a bit more about like my traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think number two is probably what that led me to be at a younger age as a, um, you know, like a young man. And what I'm trying to find myself as more of a woke man now. So I think growing up, in the household, I think there was, um, I grew up around, you know, a certain degree of addiction. Um, my mother had a, um, was an alcoholic. Um, her side of the family had a problem with addiction. I've had a, I have an uncle who there's people in the family that had opiate addictions or opioid addictions, um, clinical depression. So being around that and then, um, father was to an extent abusive, um, and you know being around a a toxic to an extent a toxic um parenting relationship um was tough growing up i think i was super close to my mom though like super super close like she's my best friend to this day um and not having that ideal relationship with my dad a real tough relationship with my dad he was a bit of a hard cunt um traditional like coming from an italian um, macho I think family mm-hmm. he didn't have a father figure so then um, sort of having those traumas as a kid um, and then you know having a couple other things in my life as a younger uh, young man that happened and then with sort of that you know in those formative years which are so critical laying the foundation for you as a man or woman you know um, whatever gender you are right that sort of lays the foundation for how you're going to build your life you know, and build your, yourself as a house or a building for that matter. And, um, I think as a non-woke kid, you know, I was, I was a bit of a dick, you know, bro. Like I was just, you know, always causing trouble, um, looking for attention, um, in all the wrong ways. Mm. Um, and dealing, I think with those, those behaviors were sort of the symptoms, like I talked about before of that underlying issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I really realized that why I was acting out or having those behaviors of, you know, wanting attention, wanting to be the cool kid, wanting to be the best in sports, be the jock, you know, be the funniest kid, get that attention from everyone. Mm. And, you know, that was in middle school, you know, and like my, like primary schools to like high school to college, you know, um, wanting that attention, being the party dude, um, being the funny guy, being the athlete, um, all those masks, you know, those masks of masculinity that I was putting on. You know, that armor that I built up, those masks that I equipped myself um, in my backpack of like manliness, um, which was from sort of those traumas as a young kid, Um, you know, like being frustrated with mom when she drank, um, being frustrated with my dad, you know, and he, he just fucking beat me down verbally or to an extent physically. Um, that sort of those those wounds I built those scars up that scar tissues there and the way as a um, non woke young man whether it's through drinking whether it's through taking the piss um, out of other people and that um, that extended into my you know my early adulthood and middle adulthood my twenties as well yeah um, whether that's you know drinking big time with the boys um, and being a dickhead. But now I think 
really retrospectively my late twenties, you know, seeing those behaviors and being like, fuck man, why am I, why am I, you know, getting so pissed with the dudes and like drinking so much or like, why am I such, why can I be abrasive sometimes when people are coming up to me, coming up against me in meetings when we're trying to push an agenda for a project or, um, you know, why did I say that? Wow. It's like, it's always a why to things. Yeah. And I started really introspectively looking in and I had a really good friend that, you know, called me out for it at one time. I was like, Mikey, I love you, man. She was a, she was a woman, right? Super badass. She's like, why are you doing this, man? Like, I know you for like who you truly are. And it's like, that's not you. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Having those people accountable. So now it's like, I'm getting into that later twenties journey as a man. I'm, I'm starting to look introspectively and seeing those scars, mm. seeing those traumas from a young age mm. and seeing now, okay, you know, working with a psychotherapist and being like, you're acting out because of potentially X, Y, Z. And that's how it's, that's how it was in your formative years. And that's how it is now yeah. as an adult in your twenties. So now really, really looking introspectively, doing a lot of meditation, meditation doing some of the therapy that I've done, getting into more of, um, I think the breath work, removing those scars, the scar tissue, mm. getting in and really attacking and being comfortable with it, mm. um, embodying it, you know, understanding, um, I forgot actually one of my favorite quotes of all time from, excuse me, from, um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I love that movie. Big boss, Boston boy. So we always go back to that, especially Matt Damon. But, you know, like there's this scene of Robin Williams and him and he just, Robin Williams just gets that fucking breakthrough with Matt Damon, a character, which I think us as men is so representative, especially like boys from Boston trying to be just hard cunts, you know, like Irish, Italian boys. Um, Hardos is like Robin Williams just says to him, he's like, it's not your fault. You know, and I had a, had a big breathy with Kurt, actually. And, you know, I saw my dad for the first time in that breathwork session deep in a meditative state. Wow. It's just, it's not your fault, you know, whether it's, you know, family addictions, whether it's, you know, traumas that you've had with your parents, with others, you know, it could be other kids, um, bullies. It's not your fault. Mm. And being able to see those scars and, and just understand it. I had a psilocybin experience as well where I saw, you know, um, scars for the first time in a new way. Mm. So I think, yeah, as a woke man, I think this is probably a long answer to the short question. But um, seeing, I think seeing the unwokeness and the reason for it and the behavior in us as men and, and myself is why I've been that way to now and recognizing it and, and just fucking working on it. You know, I think us, I think women see it. Women have always seen it, bro. Like they've seen it in middle school. It's like, ah, oh, this dude's such a dick. I know. Um, to now, you know, bro, as like an adult and then men now seeing it as an adult and not seeing it in that formative years, like women did. It's like just recognizing it and being able to work on ourselves and just be better. Mm-hmm. That's be beautiful. better. Just, yeah, bro. Thanks for sharing that, brother. And you know, like, um, it's interesting. Like, I wonder, do you now see that that you know those formative years as like a bit, a bit more love and a bit more understanding as like you know not sort of so resentful of that, or, or is there a little bit of resentment there? 
I think I think some of the people it's been resentment mm. up until my recent journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of stuff with my father. Sorry, say that again, bro. I said it's, it's, it's very normal, isn't it? To, 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 to resent things, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a tough question, man. I think uh, resentment and, and grudge is a negative energy that, that lives within you, you know, in, in your, your temple of energy. Um, and that resentment is something you have to let go. Hmm. Um, you've got to work on it. Um, I think for me and my example is like my father, um, releasing that depressurizing, Hmm. you know, and that leaves, that leaves space. I think Kurt has taught me a lot about holding space and energy and, and, that leaves space for more positive energy for yourself and for others. And for that person, um, man, resentment, man, you got to the traditional man of, of bottling it up. That's done, bro. Let it go. That's done. Let yeah, it. bro. That's beautiful, brother. What's one of your biggest vices growing up in that period, man? I think one of the biggest vices was probably, I think sort of the root cause or, you know, what's happening in my mind and then what's happening outwardly. I think uh, sort of the root cause bit is, is attaching to thoughts, thinking that your thoughts are you Mm -hmm. thinking that anxiety or thinking that you're not feeling loved or that anxiousness or that worry. And, and then also on the other side of things like happiness, um, excitement, love, these are all like, and you learn about it a lot. Meditation is noting, Hmm. noting, noting the, the emotion, noting the feeling. So I think, um, getting attached to emotions, getting wrapped up in emotions, Mm-hmm. having panic attacks, um, feeling anxious, not feeling part of the group, feeling loved. You know, that's not you. That's, that's emotions. That's feelings. That's thought. Being able to at least detach for a moment, see it for what it is and be like, ah, that's happiness or ah, that's stress. So I think that was a vice was just getting so fucked. I mean, in layman terms, right? It's like just getting so fucking in my own head, bro. You know, just like that monkey mind mm. attaching to stress and just fucking getting stuck to it like a leech and feeling like you can't get away from it. <laughs> Especially as like a, a type A wanting to be the best in, you know, Chinese, wanting to be the best in sport, wanting to be the best friend, wanting to be the funniest motherfucker in the room. Um, and then, you know, vice, I think, um, I think a lot of guys won't, won't admit to this. Um, but you know, like on this podcast, I think here, bro, like I'll put fucking hand on art. Like I'll admit to it. I think, I think booze, bro. I think piss. I don't think I've ever had an issue with substances. Um, thank fucking God. Um, I've got good friends that have, I think, but like, you know, piss like booze, bro. Booze can, mm. booze could fuck up the autonomous nervous system. 
it fucks up your immunity. It fucks up. It can bring out those things that, like I said just now, of like those underlying issues. Mm. And it can come out and it can make you emotionally unstable, physically unstable, and just booze, man. Yeah. I think vice vice was sort of that that vehicle mm. that brought out those underlying vices. Um or, or issues. Yeah, I do. Um I actually to be Yeah, it's just like I used to have like bro in college, man, in like the US, like blackouts are common. You know, it's like you drink to like impress. You drink to be at the party and be like, hey chicks, like I can fucking chug, I can play beer pog, and I'm like the coolest student. It's like I look bro, I look back at it now and I'm like, ah, oh, that's so Oh, uh, that's so not cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I, American Pie Man. That's how we sit in in, in Australia. <laughs> I've got like like upside down on a keg. Yeah, yeah, bro. It's funny. It's like just doing keg stands and like you know hanging out with like I wasn't in a frat because um, I was on I was on the track team uh, for half of my uni. But like hanging out with a lot of like the frat boys and it's like yeah, you're fucking funneling. You know, like doing keg stands, like it pretty much is like what everyone sees in American Pie. Yeah. Um, but like, man, blackouts are common. You get sort of like caught up in like, you don't even know why you're drinking at that point. Yeah. And then yeah, you sort of use it to like suppress. It's like, it's just, it just becomes part of daily life. And um, that's so true. You don't even know why you're drinking. You just like, you just follow on the, sh- the herd. Yeah. Like professionally here too, bro. Like, you know, you join social clubs and so much of like your social life is around like piss, you know, and drinking. And, um, but I think for me, man, like just too much of like blackouts. Yeah. Especially from college, bro. And like even doing that in high school partying, wanting to like drink to be cool and like not even catching yourself, blacking out, doing stupid things and like your behavior is poor and that's not you. And that wasn't me. And I think like my relationship with alcohol has changed massively, you know, like getting more sleep. I think the biggest thing is consciousness and not being like sort of like a slave to it. Like it doesn't control you. Like you see it and you can be like, I'll have a beer. That's fine. But like, I'm not going to fucking sink pints and like, you know, it's just much more controlled and tamed. Totally brother. I totally relate to that, man. Like I did, 15 months sober and like the quest to be like, Oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to drink again. And then it's just like having this huge realization was it's not the alcohol. That was the problem. It was my dependency on it. And I don't depend on it now, you know, like, and I'm literally, we had two beers last night and cooked dinner. Like, but it's like not the quality. It's not the quantity that I focus on. It's the quality. Now it's like, go get a nice red wine, go have a nice craft beer or whatever. Like that's my perspective on it now. And it's interesting. It's like, I will stop it too drinks like because i just know my body's like no that's enough or maybe i'll go three i don't know but you know is that similar to you yeah i think um i man dude like at the end of the day man like i get it why people simply just like for some people they simply just have to cold turkey like my mom literally one of the biggest blowouts and one of the most like ingrained memories i have as a child is like getting into a full-on like screaming screaming bloody murder you're an alcoholic at like 12 years old to my mom. She quit cold turkey. She can't be around it. Some people can't. Yeah. But then, you know, for me, like 
my challenge is like, I want to be around it. I want to be able to use it, but I also want to be in control. I want to be able to slay the dragon and tame it. Mm. So I think being able for myself to be around it and being able to be conscious and aware. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, but it's like, um, it's like people like having like cocaine addictions or like meth addictions or heroin addictions. I think those are probably tougher, but you know, people that can be around it and have that past addiction and not even fall faith, like fall, fall victim to it immediately or like be around it and can say no, as opposed to like, get me out of the room, out of sight, out of mind. I think for me, like, I'm sure there's science too. I'm sure there's been heaps of Ted talks or something on it, but like, if you're able to be around it and be controlling of yourself or, or mastering that, that problem, I think is a big thing. Yeah, man, for sure. What, so what emotion got you most in that period as well? Anxiety, anger, shame, guilt, fear, sadness, which one hit you hard? I think anxiety made me drink and then want to seek that attention, whether it's like drinking and, and trying to let loose and be accepted or wanting to do the best and, you know, like overtime and crazy hours so that I get that approval and acceptance from a big boss. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing was probably like shame. And I think a lot of dudes probably won't say that. Um, but I think it's actually the case, like shame, like drinking and not knowing what you did mm. or shame of the boss, not thinking your work is good mm. and feeling just ashamed, you know? And like, I fucking hated that. And that's why I work so hard sometimes mm. in work, like, working you know 90 hours a week bro and like the corporate environment was like mm. you just don't want to be ashamed of yourself mm. and you don't want to be you know not seen and not good enough mm. and that's in sport too like i gotta score as many tries as possible yeah. i gotta get the try or like i gotta gotta score as many points in like soccer or like you know, have these like heroic moments and it's just like shame. I feel like it comes down as like shame. I'd never really thought of this question until I listened to your podcast. It's like probably comes down to shame, man. Yeah. It's it's a big one. I mean, for a lot of guys suppressing shit and deep into that shadow aspect of themselves, eh? Like I know a lot of people listening for me, a hundred percent there's a lot of shame in there that I had to unpack. But that's so interesting when you say that. Just like I think it all comes down to for men a lot of shame. And and thinking about it, I'm like yeah like it does make a lot of sense man because it's like we've got this we've got this type or character this archetype of what you know this modern man should be on a pedestal and everyone's not living up to it so that's that shame exactly and like we won't we won't show we won't show others that we have this shame because yeah. we've got that mask on you know and it's like that shame will bottle up but like you need to see that rawness you need to be you need to be vulnerable, like taking off that mask and those, that scar tissue yeah. and, and being okay, you know, with acceptance and self-love and being okay with who you are and your own self, Amen. you know, like taking that mask off. Amen, man. Do you, I know you mentioned this before about like, you know, your childhood and stuff is the foundational years that, that shame is that, that ever been like something connected to your, your childhood 
sort of around like your relationship with your dad and, and not living up to his expectations? Yeah, I think, um, I think, um, I think it had to do with both parents. Yeah. Um, I think with my dad, I think with my dad, man, I had, you know, my dad was tough. You know, he was, he was, I would consider him to be abusive. Um, and he'd always make me work hard, you know, like work hard in the yard. We had a few acres and, you know, on the tractor and um, in sport. And he was always pushing me and I never felt good enough. Um, and he was really tough. You know, verbally, he was really tough too, man. Um, so I felt sort of, sh I just felt shameful. And I didn't get that, that love that I thought I should and I didn't feel the love, so I felt ashamed. Mm. Um, um, mm. Just didn't feel, just didn't feel loved, bro. Um, mm. Just felt shameful that I couldn't meet his expectations, and then because his expectations were so high, and wanted love so much. And just didn't get it from him. And, you know, like as men, right, growing up, like your father figure is really important, right? Because that's where your concept of man is. Yeah. Of the man, of the archetype of of what a man should be and how it should act. And, and I started realizing, I was like, I wonder if there's something wrong with me. Like dad's always just fucking laying into me, you know, really giving it to me and not feeling good enough. So just feeling shameful. And, um, I think that just got really deeply ingrained in me. Mm. And then, um, I think seeing, having that lesson, you know, and like it started becoming like my behavior of like started me becoming like hateful of him. Mm. I remember when I was 12 years old, like we were in like middle school and we we're doing like this, like, project or something in the classroom the teacher asked was like so who's your hero and you know most people put out like their dad or like michael jordan or you know like john f kennedy you know, boston boys <laughs> but uh you know what i said and i still remember it to this day was like i said not my dad i didn't say is this person i said it is not this person and that shame sort of manifested into a hatred um, and then what I did then from there is I, I sort of started going to my mother and my mother gave me so much love. Like my mother is the greatest person in, in the world, like the most badass motherfucker. Um, man, she's just, she's a fucking hard son of a gun, man. I get, I get it all from her, dude. And she's like my best friend in life, but I would go to her for love and I would get that unconditional love. But you know, a lot of her drinking as well. Um, a lot of times I'd see her and I'd see like that, that source of love. And I'd see her with her being drunk or with that drinking problem being, you know, um, tired and just being confused. Hmm. Uh, I feel for, her. But I think, yeah, I, I, I almost sort of lost, lost track of the original question, but it's gone I right think, now. Yeah. 
Good. Yeah, that's that's, that's it, bro. Who whose love did you crave most growing up? Was it was it your mum's or was it actually your dad's? I think it was, bro. I think you know, acting out in school, getting kicked out, getting in fucking huge fights with teachers, cussing them out, standing in the, standing up in the middle of the class, yelling at teachers, walking out, having issues with coaches. Um, I think it was all of that was, you know, because of the relationship with my father. Um, mm. I wasn't seeking their love. I don't know this teacher. I'm not going to see this teacher after this year, after I get through your class or, you know, I think it was all really deeply rooted in, in that. Mm. And I think too, though, like having empathy and like, you know, having like a crazy psilocybin trip from Mushy's, and then doing this breath work, like you start seeing things in a different way. And you, that love that I wanted so much and the reason for acting up was because of that, I think, that lack of love. I got so much love from my mom. And like, I think the reason why I have sort of that straightened foundation is because of my mother. Mm. But sort of the psilocybin trips that I've had, which have been really, really life shat, like life changing. Mm. And then the breathies was seeing my father for that lack of love I didn't get in a new empathetic way. Um, he just didn't know. Yeah, man. That's he just didn't know. And like he lost his, he lost his father. His father was, um, I think his father was murdered at a young age. Um, and he didn't know. He's probably still angry. Still, you know, still angry at that little boy who had to grow up by himself. Yeah. And he had brothers, right. And, but he didn't have that father figure. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, digging back to like those two quotes, man, just like Robin Williams, it's like, it's not your fault. <laughs> and then secondly was, we're going pretty deep here, bro. Uh, I think secondly too is like, it's like, he just didn't know, you know, like just being compassionate, understanding him. and That's true forgiveness right there, man. Understanding him. I go, fuck. Like that was... Decompressing that negative energy, bro. Like, yeah. yeah. Letting it go because we're carrying the burden of it. The energetic burden. Yeah. And bro, I think Kurt said to me once, man, it was awesome, you know, after after breathy. It was like, we need, as men, we need to break that cycle. You know, it's like a lot of those behaviors came from him and, and a lot of those scars or that those wounds came from him. And it's like, it's on us as men to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. It's on us as, as men to become the, the role model that the empathetic man that can, you know, be feminine and masculine that can, mm-hmm. you know, break that, you know, like it's the genetic cycle. Like if I'm a, if I'm a fucking prick to my kid, he's going to do the same thing to his kid. I know, man. It's like one, one, and, one influence, like, you know, your mum, one positive influence can really, like, make or break you if you don't have that. Because it sounds like your mum was like your rock. You'd be so... Break the chain, yeah. I would be... Fuck, bro, I'd probably be like... Some of your other family members. Man, I'd be... I'd be nowhere without my mum, man. I'd be... Nowhere. I didn't. She sacrificed so much. She's like my foundation. She is my like DNA. Yeah. That's epic, man.
Tell me about Mike. Tell me about um your one of your lowest points in your life, and you know, take us back about the feelings that you had through there and what that was, and and was suicide ever a factor in your life? Has that ever like been something that's come up for you? Yeah, good question, bro. Yeah, so I think um, for me, I think to answer the, this one part of the question, I think um, suicide was never something that crossed my mind, to be perfectly honest. Um, I know it's a lot more common than I think meets the eye for, for I think, as a general population. I think it comes across a lot of men's um, sort of train of thought, fortunately. Uh, but I think it never crossed my mind, bro, to be honest, despite some of like my really, really low points in life. I think that's because my mother and my foundation was so strong. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, I think for me, bro, like probably had like three, three lowest points in my life. Um, I think one was the realization of my mother's alcohol abuse problem, mm. um, where, we came home one day from a family party where we were um, like with like friends in town. We'd always like the kids would play in the backyard and the parents would all just get drunk basically and just fucking hang out. The adult things, the kids would play like manhunt or something or play paintball and just beat shit out of each other. Um, and uh, we came home one time and uh, just remember being in the car and like probably 12 years old being in the car and hearing my mom's, you could always, I could always tell when mom was drunk, but this time we're sitting in the front seat and mom said something and I was such a wise ass and she was obviously um, drunk and like, she said something and I was like, I said, I must have said something as like a 12 year old. I must have said like, shut the fuck up or something. And my dad was like, don't talk to your mother that way. And I was like, fuck off, like, leave me alone, get home. I had an absolute blowout of a fight with my mother and fucking 12 years old, man, screaming like bloody murder to my mother. I was like, you're a fucking alcoholic. And I remember that so vividly that time. Next day, mom just quit Mm. cold turkey. But I think that something that's so deep in me and that was probably one of my lowest points growing up um i think second was um Mm. probably my realization of i think that first part was probably a realization of my mother as a human um and then i think the second one was probably you just like you hadn't put her you put her on a different pedestal or you sort of thought of her differently like, I, think, really, yeah, I think that's she was wasn't like the mother you thought she was at that point or you were hoping for really good question i think um i think maybe she she was on a pedestal as far as like maybe that's when i realized that like human can have error yeah and she isn't indeed perfect um and that evil does exist in the world Mm. maybe to Mm. an extent like that it can change people deep realization to have a 12 years old isn't it 
Yeah, and I think that really that that's sort of one of the wounds that I've been working through now is like at 12 years old, man, like such a young, I think maybe even younger, bro. Of just like realizing that. Mm. And then, yeah, that was, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. Mm. Just seeing my mother and just being like, just feeling so much love and feeling so sad and so upset. It's like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the questions that we ask as young, as young kids, right? It's like, why? Yeah. And that um, changed her trajectory, didn't it? You said you... Did changed she- the family's trajectory, bro. Family's trajectory, 100%. And like, mom kept the family together with her love. Um, so she, she gave we up all got- right away. Straight away, next day, bro. She's still sober to this day, and she'll we'll we'll have like a little mini check-in every year. She's like, I've been sober this day, man. Um, and that changed the trajectory for the family, bro. And that that sort of brought me into like my second lowest point of my life, um, which was dealing with my parents' divorce. I think at fourteen years old, um, through my mom sort of really becoming herself. And like the metamorphosis of her becoming her true self um, and slaying her dragon with that depression and that use of alcohol. Um, she sort of really took a stand in, in our family mm. and the relationship and some of the, the tough um, situations that our father put us in. Mm-hmm. Um, what ended up happening was a divorce. Um, and I've talked about this in the men's group and, I think is something that I'm starting to deal with now is um, sort of your, your, your construct of love. And for sure, my construct of love uh, came from my two parents, right? You know, growing up, like that's what you envision as like you envision yourself as a human being born out of love Mm -hmm. and what encompasses love is whether it's, you know, your parents or, you know, your partners are, a male and a male or male and a female, right? If it's your mom and your dad, or, you know, you have two fathers or two mothers, right? In, in today's day and age, which is beautiful. It's like, that's where your love construct comes from. And to see your parents, you know, cause my parents would always fight, but to see sort of that construct of love, that's just so deeply ingrained in, in, in my like psyche and in my like consciousness, just shattered. Mm shattered and i'd seen it in like my patients just horrible um and having to deal with that mm-hmm. um the, the grasping of that was really really difficult for me bro mm-hmm. um and i had lots of cries like i remember like my best friend in college one time, like he was studying down in Oz, study abroad. And I called him up one day, like at a party and just fucking called him and just started breaking down crying, just fucking. And he, this dude, like my buddy Drew at the time, he's just like, man, like I'm down here in Perth, bro. Like we're having Avo on toast, like Brecky. And like, you're calling me out of nowhere. It's like, what's going on, man? And I just like, 
you know, at a party, locked myself in my room and just started crying, just fucking just letting it all out. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't deal with it. And then later that semester, he came back and like some of my best friends, like Sam, Nick, Drew, Cody, I think Cody was there. And it's like a big psilocybin trip. First time doing it. Locked myself in the bathroom and saw my mother for the first time and the construct of love and saw it in a new, a new perspective and just cried for two to three hours on in the bathroom locked in my friends are knock, lock, knocking on the door and like i'm just there on the ground my just head in my arms bro and just fucking ugly crying like ugly crying <laughs> and just trying to grasp sort of like my construct of love and the divorce and like seeing my parents and like them having arguments at the house and like the police coming and you know it's just shit just fucking shit bro going through it mm. that was one of the lowest but i think one of the greatest yeah it's like a oh point my. in my life man i know that feeling and you're just like deep in there and you like the emotional pain is just coming out oh i feel that man so empowering afterwards though like you just feel lighter hey was that like i mean the next sort of segues into the next question but was that the most significant, the significant moment of awakening for you? Or was there something else as well that like really changed, changed your trajectory or was that it? That's a really good question. I think, I think it was a combination of things. I think it was an intersection of things. Um, I think it was an intersection of my parents' divorce. That one trip on psilocybin. Mm. Um, and I think also my, my life trajectory change of, of Chinese and China becoming part of my identity. Mm. Um, I think those three things sort of sort of spurred like to jinla like fahuela is is like what we say in chinese like to 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 spur like that awakening or like fahue to like to to like harness or like awaken um like a a, a potential i think like those three things sort of happening at a crossroad of my life which was like the twenties, like early twenties, bro. Like 20, 20 to 22 is like when that was all happening. Mm. Um, and being exposed, I think, I think what happened was perspective. Mm-hmm. I think like if I was to put it in one word, it'd be perspective, bro. Of like seeing my parents for humans and not just like this concept of love and marriage, mm. seeing like they have faults and they have their own yeah. sort of perspectives and opinions. And then me realizing that and how that relates to me, seeing like my um this new world of of the east and seeing a new perspective of people seeing things in different ways and using different languages and doing things differently um becoming a man out here and becoming a man based on that foundation of 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 my parents separation was something that was i think a big awakening for me 
Dude, that's epic, man. It's like all the significant moments in your life have led you, you know, to monumental moments have led you to this this journey of year. It's beautiful, brother. And I love that you see your parents as humans now because, you know, they're just going through the same shit we're going through now, you know, like, we're, you know, 2930. Yeah. The moment where they're, they're young, young parents. So it's next level, man. You, you talked a little bit about the different that's healing. It the different healing journeys on your path and uh, that you've taken some of the modalities. What was the most significant or what was there a few significant healing modalities that you use on your journey? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think number one was probably psilocybin. Um, I had, um, and I love, man, I love the research going into psilocybin mm. and the use of, of MDMA and psychedelics as um, PTSD um healing modalities like you say um psilocybin was a big one for me that one trip um that journey man fucking journey deep into myself um meditation has helped yeah um connecting with the breath understanding excuse me understanding my um thought patterns and the separation and the awareness from thought that was a big one um and what I'm really getting into now is um, breath work, yeah. breath work and um, cold therapy. I think um, sort of, I sort of went like from an extreme one to like more tame meditation and, and mindfulness practice to uh, like um, more of like um, sort of, I think what, what water you've just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's it bro and then um going more into like i think what what most of the common population say is like sort of hippie stuff but i think it's gaining more and more traction which i love is like the wim hof yeah um fuck bro like that that is huge and and also too like i'm a big advocate on like um so i'm a big like data guy i love the qual and the quant so like what are the numbers but also how do you feel so i got this this is not a plug. Like I'm not by any means an endorser of this brand, but I think a modality as well that I'm using is um, this thing called the whoop. And uh, it's like the world's strongest fitness tracker. What is it? Do? What is it? What is yeah. it? Yeah. I need to get one. Um, so you gotta like, you gotta order like this band online, but what you pay for is it's a subscription service. You get like this. Um, so you get like, you pay for basically the dashboard and the software and the algorithms. So what I've now started to use is my healing modalities on one end. So my breath work, my mindfulness practice, um, doing cold therapy, the better sleep I'm getting, right? Like the holistic fucking change, right? And then using like how I feel, but then also using this and being able to see the dashboard of like, you know, my, my resting heart rate is decreasing month over month. So which means like, my heart is more calm. My heart rate variability is increasing, which means I can adapt to stressors, which usually would send me in panics. Yeah. Um, and like having panic attacks and, and anxiety, better adapting to that. So I think like for me, like I love how I feel. And I think like for me in business and like the projects I work on, like, yeah, let's get that qualitative feedback of like, I feel good. I slept pretty good. But then I want to see like, and I'm getting more REM, which is like so it measures the way that, um, yeah, bro, it goes like full on, man. It's a super powerful tool. And like, I, I really recommend it for 
not just athletes, but also like people that want to know more of like what's under the hood. Yeah. Um, so like tracking my sleep, tracking my, um, my like heart, heart vitals and especially with anxiety, man, like your heart, your heart rates all over the place. And, and I love the science of it, but I also love, man, those healing modalities of like using the, the, the psychedelics, using breath work. Um, I've had amazing, amazing breakthroughs via those. It's epic, dude. I love that. I love tracking it too, man. I've been looking at um, all the different watches and stuff to get to just to track it because it's like interesting because it's like you're doing the meditation, you're doing all this like cold water swims, running, and how's that impacting me on a physical basis? Because, you know, people love that. People love statistics. People love looking at how it's like, you know, we're in this human world. We love seeing data and stuff. Most people anyway. Dude, just, just on that, Luca, I've had... um. So like in a breathwork session, I did a group breathing in our men's group here. Like I, I went into it knowing like, okay, something's going to happen. I've never done a breathy, but I always track my meditations and I'll see where my heart rate is and Perfect. if I can really connect to the breath. And um, I could probably send it to you if you want to see it, but I tracked probably one of the biggest emotional releases I had in a while via a breathwork session where I just went so deep. I, I, I re re-dug into my parents divorce and love it just came up right when you're in that meditative state in breathies and and i just started fucking crying and you see my heart rate you know when you're going through the breath right and my heart's going up 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 and then i get there in the meditation and my heart rate goes down to like what i usually am at when i sleep wow and then i'm just there coasting right and then Why? the thought right my thought, bro, this is so epic. And I'm, I'm doing a little like sort of like statistic test and I'll tell you about it after this, but like I'm there and I'm like trucking along really, really low heart rate. And then the thought comes up of that trauma of my parents' divorce and I start crying and I just start fucking bawling. Eyes like just ugly cry. Heart rate spikes to 180. That's like my max heart rate in like my CrossFit workouts. And then boom get through it, stop crying. And my heart rate goes even lower than it was before emotional release. And then my night that night, my sleep turned from like traditionally like 25% REM, 25% deep. And REM is where your brain recalibrates emotionally. My REM sleep was 50% of my sleep that night, bro. Wow. So you were like, it just had, had gone into like this reprogramming sense or re, just recalibration. How much? Exactly, bro. And like, like what, 20% of your sleep? How much is it supposed to be? Normal? Yeah. So REM, my REM usually sits between 20 to 25%. And the rapid eye movement is where you're like, you're basically like, it's like when people do DMT, right? It's where they dream. Yeah. And it's like, but Matthew Walker in his Why We Sleep book, um, he talks about that's like, you're oiling that you're oiling your emotional engine, recalibrating, making connections, new neural pathways, understanding like emotionally why things happen. Um, so like, yeah, when I slept that night, it was like after having that emotional release, it was like 50%. So, you know, that's two, that's two X bro. Mm, um, that's next level. So I love that. Yeah. So now what I'm doing, um, and I know we're going, probably going over time, man, but I love this stuff as uh, so what I'm doing now is I'm doing a 30 day versus 30 day of before just doing like just my standard mindfulness and health and wellness of going to the gym, 
sleeping well and uh, meditation to now giving it a girl go of doing 30 days now of um, every single day doing Wim Hof and my traditional mindfulness practice. Shit. That's going to be wild, man. I'm looking forward to he- hearing about that. You have to keep me updated. Yeah, for sure, bro. I'll flick it over to you and just see just like the, the vitals of you know, difference qualitatively and quant. Of yeah, like how that's going for me. That's epic, brother. Tell me about, we got actually only got three questions left. But how did your uh, friend group change as you've changed in your journey? I think, um, I think I've realized, I think it's more of like a realization point of like, I've realized I don't have, as, after becoming like quote unquote woke, it's pretty funny. I've realized I don't have as many friends as I thought I did. Mm. <laughs> as funny enough as it sounds. Did you say like quality, like what do you mean by that? Like quality friends or you just had people that were just like acquaintances more so around you? I think, I think it was a realization. Yeah. Of like, I just had more of like acquaintances than I, I realized had quality friends, you know, and like from high school till now, like high school, college, China, so those three phases of life, like I could probably count on my hand, like 10 to 15, probably 10 to 15, I think, because I've been in so many places mm. uh, that I've been able to pick on each part of my journey. Uh, but I think like my prior friend group, man, was just mostly just my best friends were just like the guys that I hung out with in sport mm. and um, still connecting with them and, you know, partying with them. But now it's like, that was the basis of the relationship. Mm. Whereas now it's the basis of my relationship is like genuine connection, whether that be via sport, via mindfulness practice, via work. Um, it's just, it's just more of a, a genuine connection yeah. holistically as opposed to just one dimensional relationships. Yeah. So finding more multi-dimensional relationships, like, like my best friend Joey out here, like we can talk about literally anything, whether it's sport, whether it's, you know, what's going on with romance, like our romantic relationships, whether it's going on with um, work, whether it's going on with, you know, mentally, you know, um, I can find that I'm doing more and more that connecting on several levels mm. versus just, I can only talk to you about, you know, going out and getting on the piss, talking like just, about like chasing birds and Hmm. playing like sports to like finding the more time that I'm more of the time I'm spending with people that I can have those conversations with um, and and having those close, close friends just on a more broad uh, conversational level. Yeah. Conversational level. Totally brothers. It's quite common that, you know, that response amongst all the men that I've interviewed so fast, you know, 70, but it's it, it's something about it is as our values change, you know, the environment around us changes because we naturally want to indulge in different things now, you know, and and I think that's a natural progression, man. It's just it doesn't it can be what it wants, but some you know I found some people that don't actually change too much with their friend group, but they fully start to accept who they are truly and be themselves, and maybe that's a measure of what a true friend really is in the first place. You know, is accepting you through your changing, you know, your transformation in life. Um, and understanding that, I think that's a really beautiful friend. Go, hey, you change. That's cool. So all those listening out there right now, you know, like look at all the different 
friends in your life and, and ask yourself like what you say is how they make you feel and how they accept you. Cause that's, you know, that what 100%, you percent that's the next level. Um, what, what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for brother? What part of this journey is the bit, you know, the, the part that you really appreciate. I like, you know where my mind's going in some of these questions. Like my mind goes to like the traditional dude answer. It's like, Oh, learning. Like, yeah, man, I'm like learning a lot in like the journey. Like <laughs> I, I go to like, I think about it for a second before I answer. Cause that's why I'm taking a second to think. And it's like the real answer, man. So like, it's the truth. Like, I don't want to give those in. It's, you know what the, and like my answer to the question is, it's like love, bro. Uh, love, like, you, like if I were to give the, the, the surface level question, it's like learning, you know, learning more about myself. But I think what it really is, is I think that's the symptom, right? But the bottom thing is like, it's love, man. More it's of feeling it. more love in life more 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 positive energy and just feeling that as like as a man i can i can tap into that and i don't have to be the fucking traditional masculine man i can embody love and 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 express myself and and embody that you know as who i truly am and not have to not have to be a Yes, like some of my Kiwi buddies went, don't have to be a duck. <laughs> totally, man. I appreciate that honest response um, and pulling yourself up there and calling that out. It's, it's I admire it, man. Last question for you, brother. Thanks, bro. What's one tip you'd give your old self who's just starting this journey? Young one. Couple tips, bro. Young Ferrari. Ferrari. Young Ferrari. Uh, Stop being Ferrari, be Mikey. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple things, bro. I think Laird Hamilton, I heard in a podcast, which I loved. Stop drinking. Stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Having a beer is fine, but stop fucking killing yourself with booze, bro. Um, stop drinking alcohol. Love yourself. Love others. Mm. Um. The world is beautiful, man. And life is short. Just love, man. Mm. What it's else? just as simple as that. What came to my mind? Just We're all human beings. We're all on the journey. Yeah. What came to my mind just then was, I wonder if how it would have been if you said to your younger self, it's not your fault. You know, how would he have taken that? Do you reckon that's something he would have wanted to have heard back then? And I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think that's why Robin Williams said that to Matt Damon, right? Mm. Rob Robin Williams was that character was, you know, in, in the traditional like working class, you know, Irish Boston family, right? Getting just physically abused, right? Matt Damon's character, such a good movie, man. Is like the characters are so spot on, like you know, like just abuse like kid growing up in a foster home just getting beat by fucking his, whoever the guardian is you know cigarettes burned on him getting beat by a wrench like 
it's not just that, right? That's a parallel. It's like, you know, whether it's abuse emotionally, physically, um, whether it's getting picked on by other kids, we take that and we, we think it is our fault. Yeah. And it's, it's not our fault. And I, I think that's, that's like the, that's sort of like the, the journey I had in one of the breathies with my dad was, you know, going up and hugging him for the first time after going through a really traumatic experience it was like going up to him and giving him a hug in my, my, my vision. Right. Or like my, my meditative state was like, you just didn't know, mm. you know? And, and if I were to say that to say something to myself, as opposed to me saying that to him, right. Like, what I just wish he'd say to me is I didn't know. And it's not your fault, you know? Mm. And I think for all of us, like, yeah, stop drinking. Right. Those are all like good ones. But like the one that really hits home, bro, is just, it's not your fault. Yeah, it's just be more compassionate, bro. Self-love. Hmm. Oh, that one is, can be said to myself over and over and over again too, man. I resonate with that. And, uh, I- that's it. Brother, I really appreciate this interview. It's been a deep one, one of my deepest. <laughs> and that's the way I like it, brother. So thank you for showing up, man. Thank you for just getting down and, and into it. And what I love most about this interview was that, um, you know, for a lot of men that I have interviewed, there are quite a significant amount of coaches. And um, to see a lot of people that aren't in that realm open up and be so empowered and still exist in like a um the traditional like roles in life you know because it's really empowering for people who are listening to to go you don't have to be a coach to be on a better path like it's that's not that's not the only path it's it's just that's their roles and it happened to be that they're the most open and vulnerable right now but to have you on here speaking deeper than most of most of those other men that i've had on here on that level has been phenomenal, man. It's been one of my most uh, engaging interviews and I really appreciate you and, and for showing up, brother. So thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. I think it's it's on us, right? I, I hope that, um, you know, my my chat's here. And yeah, like the, like you said, the, it's not all the coaches, right? Like the coaches are, it's amazing that they're able to do it, but it's it's up to us, right? They're the guides. Yeah. Um, but we, we have to we have to reach out to the broader population of, you know, like the traditional macho, traditional macho areas. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. In the, in the nine to fives in all that, they're they're the ones that need it. And you're the beacon of light in there, man. Like I love that. That's it, man. Hundred percent you having me on here, man. Much love brother. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe. One step at a time. Take care. I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man.
bring love and just be.